Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Use promo code PNF20 to save 20% off your jig order. Welcome to the Pat on Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and uh, today we have a very special guest. He is the 2017 or 2018? 2017. That's what I thought, but I questioned myself. The 2017 (laughs) KBF National Championship, or champion, I should say, I can't talk, uh, Mr. Kurt Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Man, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. You know, we uh, we made a post not long ago on our Facebook page, and we were, you know, we were talking about some of the lures that, you know, some of the pe- some of the hosts here at Paddle and Finn were interested in trying in the winter, and uh, was asking other people what what their lures that they wanted to try were. And uh, one of them that one of our hosts hosted was the, uh, the blade bait. And, uh, and somebody wanted to know more about that. And, you know, you seem to know what you're doing. So, you know, got you on here, going to try to get some information about a blade bait from you. Um, So, uh, yeah, let's, one thing, like just jumping off here, something that kind of caught my eye. I, I know absolutely nothing about a blade bait. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I've never used one. I don't even know if I've seen one in person. I've just seen the pictures. Um, but to me, it kind of looks like a horizontal spoon. Is, is it similar to a spoon or am I like way off? Or? You're not way off. It has a lot of characteristics of a spoon. In some ways, but the blade bait, you know, a spoon falls side to side like a leaf does, right? Mm-hmm. A blade bait falls more like a, more like a red-eye shad. It'll flutter down like this, you know what I mean? It won't do this big wobble side to side like a spoon does. So it's got, it's got a little bit of different action. And, uh, you know, blade baits are a little different than spoons. And like you said, you fish them vertically where a lot of times you'll cast a spoon, but... You can also cast a blade bait and hop it back to you too, so there are some similarities, but they are a lot different. Uh, you know, the the, the spoon is a much more of a a wobbly uh, bait, and, and I kind of think of it this way: I think the spoon is imitating gizzard shad. 
And I think of the blade bait as imitating thread shad. And that's a much smaller, tighter profile. And thread shad are much smaller than gizzard shad in general, right? You know what I mean? The thread fin don't get very big, but the gizzard shad will get giant. And I think that's what I think that's what's imitating more so as. I don't know if the fish are really telling that difference in them, you know what I mean? Like I don't think they really care what they're eating. They just see something that looks like it's wounded and falling. But it does have a little different characteristics. And the, and the cool thing about the blade bait, in the wintertime, the fish can be glued to the bottom. I mean, like glued to the bottom. Like when they'll have mud on their bellies. You know what I mean? They're, they're not like inches off the bottom. They're on the bottom. Because, you know, it's cold. And the last place that's going to get cold is that mud in the bottom of the river uh, or lake. And, it, and they're going to go, they're going to hunker down in there and try to keep as warm as they can. And that blade bait, you can fish that just a couple inches right on the bottom. You can just pull it up just a little bit where you feel it go thunk, thunk, two thunks and drop it. And it's literally only a couple inches off the bottom. So you can keep it in that strike zone of a fish that's on the bottom, like right in their face. Okay. Uh, so what kind of setup are you throwing a blade bait on? Because I'm... It, kind of like a jig setup or well I'll, I'll let you go over like rod reel line that kind of stuff okay i mean what i'd like to use for it and it's taken me a kind of a it's taken me a long time to kind of figure out what i like for a blade bait because i only fish them in the winter time and you know so it's, it's a very short period of time that i end up fishing them so i fish them on spinning gear i like to fish them on 30 pound uh braided line i like it to be on a uh um like a medium heavy rod that is a, a moderate tip. So you got a very mod, you have a moderate tip because it's a treble hook and you don't always get the best hookups with them, right? A lot of times these blade baits, because the fish are just reacting to it, they're just swatting at it. You're not really necessarily trying to eat it every time. Sometimes you're just annoying the fish. So they're just like, get out of my face. So you're just getting one hook into them. So having that uh, that moderate tip helps you fight them, but you really want that backbone when you first get that first initial hit to get that to set that hook on them. It's a little different than a lot of treble bait, treble hook baits because, like you know, like crank baits, you kind of just sweep into them once a fish hits it. You don't set the hook on them, right? Yeah. Well, on a blade bait, you set the hook on. At least I do, anyway. I don't do any sweeping motion like you do with a lot of other treble hook type style baits like topwater or or crankbaits. I mean, I literally like if I feel the hit, I'm like jerking it up like it's a jig. So you want a rod that has that backbone. So that's where the medium heavy comes in. Some rods you can get away with a medium if they're a little bit stiffer rods, but you really want like a medium heavy with a moderate tip. Spinning tackle, you know, um, doesn't really matter what reel so much. You know, you don't have to, you're not taking up a bunch of line or anything like that. Um, you, know, you, you said you use it on spinning gear. Is that like a choice or is there a reason why somebody would choose spinning over, over casting? Well, you could, you could definitely use casting and I know guys that do use it, use them on casting. Um, but I like him. So I use it two ways. I'll, I'll cast it. And I'll hop it back or I'll fish it vertically. When I'm fishing it vertically, when I see the fish in my fish finder, sometimes I'm only fishing one or two fish. Literally, I see one fish on the bottom or one thing I think is a fish. So I want to drop it immediately and I want it to shoot straight down. I don't want to, I don't want to have to feed line out. I don't want to drift over it like a foot or something. Because a lot of times, like I said, I'm only fishing one or two fish. I'm, I'm seeing very, you know, scattered and few fish. Now, there's times when I'm fishing uh, more schools, but I tend to use other other lures for when I'm fishing bigger schools. If I think there's a big school, I'll use like a swim bait, but I'll use the blade bait to be a little bit more precise. All right, that makes sense there, you know, if you're just dropping it down. Um. There's something else I was going to say on that. Oh, what, you said you use like 30-pound line. Is that what you said? Yeah, 30-pound braid. 30-pound braid. It, you don't use a, a leader on that or anything? 
You know, sometimes I do, and it depends where I'm fishing. There's there's some tributaries that I fish that will have gar in them real heavy, and there's two of them that are like that, and I'll use a, a, a leader on those, a, a 17 or a 20 pound leader on those, but that but it affects the it affects how the blade bait works in the water, man. When you have it on braid, it has a very free action to it, and it gives it a lot more of this erratic action to it versus when you put you know a, a 17 or a 20 pound leader on there that really slows that action down especially on the fall because that leader is acting like a buffer on the back side of the bait and kind of holding it back as it's dropping where that braid isn't really hardly affecting the action at all yeah i, I was just wondering because 30 pound braid you know it's getting kind of bigger line you know i was wondering for like visibility i guess if you're fishing you know, dirtier water, you know, that would, you know, get away with it a little, little easier. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm fishing in the winter time in the Ohio river a lot, man. That's when I'm mainly using the blade bait and I don't have to really worry about that clear water so much in the Ohio river, man. It's usually pretty dingy. And I'll be honest with you, the type of bites that I get from it, there are, they're not the reaction bites. You know what I mean? These aren't subtle bites that you barely feel, man. You know, they're they're hitting it because it's either annoying them or they want to eat it. One of the two. So they're they're actually physically grabbing and hitting the bait. Yeah, so they're not like taking their time to, you know, analyze it before they hit it. You know, they're just gobbling it up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just think about it. It's just something that's flashing right in front of their faces, man. I mean, it's just coming up. It might even hit them. You know, and they're just turning it and they're just, and they're grabbing a hold of it for a second, you know, and honestly, that's why, that's why I'm setting the hook on them with a treble hook bait the way I do, because in the wintertime, those fish a lot of times will just grab it for just a second and then let go because they're not really trying to eat it, right? They're just annoyed by it because you just sat there and, and brought it up in front of their face three, four, maybe five times. And they finally just couldn't take it anymore, having something going right in front of their face and falling. And they just, they grab it for a split second. And if you, if you don't set the hook, they'll spit it right out. You know, now it's different if they're really eating, because sometimes you run across some that are eating on the bottom and those ones, they're hitting it like a freight train. You know, they're, they're, there's no, you don't have to set the hook. They're hitting it so hard and running with it that all you're doing is hanging on. You know, it, it seems to be those are the two bites that you get. They're either grabbing it and letting it go, or they're hitting it like a freight train. Yeah, those hard hits are the best ones. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I tell you. And, and there's something about a blade bait uh, hard hit, too, because, you know, it, it's it's rarely on the first drop that you get them. So it's like you, you're, you're sitting there rigging it, you know, you're pulling it up a few times, and you kind of get in that rhythm of pulling it up. And then all of a sudden, the rod's like getting jerked out of your hand almost, you know. It's just <laughs> something about that blade bait bite that's pretty cool, man. Especially because it's wintertime too, right? We're not getting a whole lot of bites anyway, but it's it's one of those uh, lures that I, I only throw in the wintertime. I don't throw it any other time of the year. So specifically for wintertime, mark that question off the list then. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that, that – uh, solid bite man I, I got that you know when i caught my pb back in the fall on a jig you know i was, I was about to reel it in and and all of a sudden it just got hammered and I, just right as i started reeling in to reel it back in to recast it just smacked it 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 kind of scared me at first i wasn't expecting it <laughs> but uh you gotta love those bites man not not to get you know too far off track but I was just kind of curious with with you saying you fish the Ohio River. Are you talking about like the Ohio River? Or are you talking about like maybe like like a creek or something coming off of uh, it? Or well, you know, it depends on the river levels. Honestly, you know, if the river is blown out, which it can be a lot of times in the winter time, I'll be fishing more in the tributaries, right? within that first mile of the of the mouth of the tributaries. Because when the river blows out in the wintertime and it's cold and the water's muddy, those fish will move into the cleaner water, which tends to be these tributaries I'm fishing. And it's marginally cleaner, and it, it, but there's no current. 
So those fish just don't have the energy when it's cold to fight the current. So they just load up. Now, if the river's low, I'll go out literally on the Ohio River, and there's a couple places that I like to fish that are like out in the main Ohio River. There's more than a couple, but there's there's a couple of hot spots for the winter time. Okay, I was just wondering because I got family that live on the uh, Kentucky Indiana line, and the Ohio River goes right through there, close to where they live. And uh, you know, I've heard of people fishing out on the Ohio River, and I, I look at that river, I'm like. I don't know if I'd want to get a kayak out there. Yeah. It's, not, <laughs> it, it's not so bad, man. It really isn't. You got to keep your head up for the barges and stuff. But even those guys, you know, as long as long as you're not in their way, it's not so bad. Yeah. You know. It, but if you do get in their way, say your prayers. Yeah. Oh my God, man. <laughs> that that would be like a nightmare, man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> a, a nightmare wouldn't last too long. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. It sure wouldn't. Uh, all right, so where exactly are you using this? Are you, are you, you know, I know you talked about, you know, finding one or two fish and dropping it down, but it is there like certain structure you're looking for down there? Are you strictly looking for fish on your fish finder or what? Well, so, I mean, I am strictly looking for fish on my fish finder, but I tell you where I am looking, I'm looking at transitions, man. These fish, especially in the wintertime, uh, the more active ones will be on transitions. They'll, they'll be in a little a little underwater cut, someplace that drops from like 10 to 15 that might have a little shelf that drops again. Um, you know, creek mouths are really good, especially if they have like a, 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 a cut in them where there will be current running past and there'll be a cut, not, not in the bank, but in the underwater section, like we'll be 15 feet down maybe. Um, I mean, those are the money spots I look for, man. Honestly, I'll go, when I go to new places, and, I, and usually I check out a couple new creeks a year. There's so many creeks to check out. Um, and I'll just sit there and scan before I even really look for the fish. So I'm going to scan, and I'll use my hummingbird, and I'll use the mapping function on it just to map a creek mouth real quick. So I can see where I can see those little drops that have little shells to them where they have these little cuts. There are these little current breaks and stuff that you couldn't see on top of the water, but you need your fish finder to find. And then I'll f start fishing those spots. Because a lot of times in the wintertime, too, when the blade bait is most effective, these fish, like I said, they're so glued to the bottom that you may not see them on your fish finder. I mean, they just look like a part of the bottom. I mean, there's no separation you know, and I've pulled up 25-inch hybrids, and they'll be from the their neck to their tail will be mud. I mean, seriously, just be mud. They're like sitting, wallowing in the mud on the very bottom. You know. You know that that brought up an interesting question for me because I didn't really think about this before we did this interview. Are are you using blade baits for? For stripers or like for like black bass species mostly for stripers but when okay. i do fish inland lakes in the sun in the winter time i'll use them for black bass okay and they're See, really I, effective for any of those species really because they're all doing the same thing right their their metabolisms are slowing down so they're going deeper they're getting they're trying to stay as warm as possible and that's that is, that's basically in the lowest place that they can find that has oxygen still and they're going to just sit there and they're going to get right into the mud because it's going to be the last place that gets cold. Um, you know, it, but you, so we've been talking how we fish it just on the bottom. Well, you can also swim this bait too. And it has a really huge thump to it. Like when you swim it back, it just goes dunk, 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 back oh, yeah, and I, forth. I could see that. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like a chatter bait you know, almost, but you can, you can do it really slow and then you can bring it just off the bottom. Right. And you can bring it just off the bottom. And man, I've had some really good days where no other bait was catching them, but slow rolling, uh, a blade bait off the bottom has just been awesome. And, and one of the things too, about blade baits, if you just go to Walmart or, or Bass Pro and buy the cheap blade baits, you're probably not going to like blade bait fishing because the hooks suck 
and it's all about getting the right hook up and the type of hooks that come on them can be really snaggy because you're fishing up in the bottom a lot. So you really want to get a decent blade bait. And, you know, and one guy locally to, to Cincinnati where I live is, is Cincy Fisher blade baits. And that's basically all he does is blade baits. And, and it's a silver buddy style blade bait. It's nothing fancy, but he puts really good Mustang KVD hooks on them, man. And that makes all the difference right there. Like if you buy a Bass Pro one, just take the hooks right off as soon as you get it, throw them away. Put some Mustang KVD ones on there because the Mustang KVD hooks too, the treble hook bends in a little bit. So as it bends in a little bit, that keeps it from being quite so snaggy on the bottom. Because a blade bait, I mean, you're just literally dropping it on the bottom and you got two treble hooks, right? And then you're ripping it up. So if there's anything on the bottom, it's going to snag it. So just having a, a slight bend to the treble hooks can make it, it will make a massive difference in your enjoyment in fishing this, in this bait. Cause you'll just keep losing them otherwise. Yeah. Well, that brings up a question. You know, I, I talked, it wasn't too terribly long ago. I talked to Aaron Steiger about jerk bait fishing. He said he uses those kind of hooks on, you know, the, the bend in ones on his jerk baits. And he said some, Times it can cause a little bit of an issue getting uh, getting it hooked in the mouth, but once it's hooked, it's hooked. Do you, do you have any issues with those with getting the fish hooked? Like, do you miss many with that? Or I don't think on the blade bait you miss any uh, because yeah, I can that, say because it's pretty of, thin, right? Right, they're th they're thin little hooks. Those those KVD ones. If you haven't seen them, you can see them at pretty much most any tackle store carries them. It's a pretty thin wire hook, so. The, the penetration isn't too much of a problem. I mean, with the blade bait, it's always a problem of being too snaggy versus not snaggy enough. Where with a jerk bait, you almost can't be too snaggy with it, right? Because sometimes you're catching them in the back because they're swatting at it. You know, you're catching them in the neck, the side of the face with a jerk bait. So you almost can't be too snaggy. Like if you look at like the mega bass jerk baits, those hooks have those external barbs on them. Man, talk about uh, snaggy lures, man. If you have any loose clothing, I mean, every, it just snags everything. <laughs> I mean, it literally reaches out and grabs stuff. I mean, it's just, you, 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 I'm just blown away by them, by how snaggy they are. But yeah, I would like never a want... Plopper. Yeah, exactly, like a whopper plopper hooks, man. Those things are crazy snaggy, right? I mean, they just catch everything. They snagged me in the nose this past year. <laughs> yeah, luckily, it wasn't too bad. You know, I got it hung up in a tree, and I was jerking it, trying to jerk it out so it didn't blow out my spot trying to go up to it. And uh, I had sunglasses on, and it come flying back. And usually, if that happens, you know, I can dodge or put my head down or something. But it happened so fast, and it came and it smacked me right here. It hit me in my in my lens and my glasses, and uh, smacked me in the nose right there. And luckily, it didn't hook me. It just put a put a cut right there, and it flew to the other side to the water. Man, it could have been really bad. I got I got really lucky with that. That could have been ugly, man. <laughs> luckily, I had glasses on, or else I that it might have got me in the eye. Yeah, man, I fear treble hooks in the face, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I see YouTube videos all the time of people using, you know, whopper ploppers or crank, or, oh yeah, crankbaits, just stuff with two or three treble hooks on it, and when they net a fish or whatever, and they reach down and they grab the fish out, and the hook's still there, I'm like, I ain't doing that. Like, they're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna I know what's gonna happen if I try doing that. The fish is gonna shake and then that hook's going to go on my finger. Then I'm yeah. going to drop it and drop the fish in the water. So I'm going to have a hook in my finger and I'm going to lose my fish. So. <laughs> or you have the fish still hooked on while it's hooked in your hand going ape, ape crazy on your hand. <laughs> I, I'd rather lose the fish at that point. That'd be yeah. terrible. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, is there anything else? um that we didn't cover with a uh with a blade bait that that, that uh you, you feel like we need to talk about 
So. Well, you know, it, it is a really versatile bait, you know, even though like someone like me mainly only uses it in the wintertime fishing. I know guys that use it in the summertime too, you know, it is one of those blade baits that's underrated. You know, it, it really is. You don't hear a lot of people fishing them because it's an older, I think it's maybe it's an older style bait and it's just kind of lost some of its luster, but it's, you know, it's kind of like a spinner bait, right? It's hard to beat a spinner bait, right? I mean, it, it, it's not the most flashy, new, radical bait on the market, but it's hard to beat one when you just want to cover some ground and, you know, and it's kind of like that. It's just a, it's a bait that works really, really good. Um, you know, and, and there's different ways to fish it. Like I said, you can swim it. Yeah, I think we hit everything, man. I mean, they come in some different colors, too. You can get painted ones. My, my personal favorite is just a silver, but they come in bronze. You can get them painted. Um, you know, and I, th I think once people start using them in cooler, wet in cooler water, yeah, they'll be hooked instantly. Well, you know, what you were saying about it being like an older-style bait, you know, that right there, sometimes those older style baits can be where it's at because they're, they're proven back in the day to work, but nobody uses them anymore. So the fish don't see them all the time. And so, you know, that, that could be, be where it's at right there. There's so, something to that. There's something to that. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I, I kind of think I need to go out and pick me up some of these real quick. Now, now you mentioned that company in Ohio, and I, I believe that's where all this started from. I, I believe, you know, you know, one of the Ohio guys on the podcast, like Jason Ricketts or somebody, shared that company in Ohio, and now other people got interested in it. What what was it called again? Cincy Fisher. Cincy Fisher. Yeah, right. C-I-N-C-Y Fisher. And it's, it's Um Brian May is the guy who owns it. He's a really good guy, man. And, and, and like I said, it, it's, it's about the quality of the components that he puts together that makes his baits so outstanding. And he's got some painted ones too, man. I, and I just recently got some. And I'm dying to, I'm dying to throw them on like a, a cloudy day, you know, just to – Something like something that's a little bit more, less flashy and a little bit more realistic. Yeah, well, I, I was sitting here thinking when you brought up color. I don't know why I didn't even think about bringing up color to see if there were different colors to use and when, but uh, probably because I haven't seen a whole lot of blade baits. So I think pretty much all I've seen is like the the silver shiny one, but. Uh, you know, like a spoon. I've heard of people using like a white spoon, you know, around the colder time. So I would assume like blade bait and a white might, you know, be be similar. But yeah, you know, I haven't had a chance to play with the painted ones a lot yet. Um, but I find that those tend to work for me a little bit better when it wasn't sunny. And when it was sunny, at the silver ones, I think it's just because it was making such a flash. Uh, seem to be the, the money ones. Um, you know, the, the bronze ones just don't seem to work as well for me. And that's probably going to change for people when you go to a different lake that has a different forage, right? And you have a forage that's something, because where I'm fishing, it's mostly shad, right? Threadfin, gizzard, it's going to be some type of shad, um, mostly. But you go to these other lakes, and it may be perch, then all of a sudden the gold one's going to be great, right? You know, and you'll see that some sometimes they have uh, colored ones that are like yellow, and and you know I've seen pink ones too at some at some fishing shows. Some guys had some pink ones, and you know some outrageous color stuff. You know, I think they were using them for walleye or something. I don't think they were using them for bass, but uh, okay. you know, it's a versatile bait like that too. It's multi-species. Guys are using it for all different types of stuff. Awesome. Well, you know, since I have you on here, you know, that, that's about all I got for blade baits. But since I have you on here, you know, you, you want to talk about uh, what you like, what you get planned for for 2020 season? Yeah, man, I'd love to. Uh, 
2020, man, I'm really gonna I'm gonna try to concentrate a lot more on the Hobie series and make the uh, tournament champions that they have at the end of the season. And, you know, that's starting here February 1st. You know, so if anyone is dying to get out of cold weather and wants to go fish a tournament, you know, sign up for the uh, the Hobie uh, Lake Seminole event. It's going to be killer. Uh, the weather is going to be in the 70s down there. So I'm really looking mm. forward to starting my season <laughs> off that way, you know. You make Not me want to go. to the 12-hour drive, but I'm looking forward to starting it off in some warm weather down there. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say my drive would be a little less. I'm near Nashville, so. Oh, yeah, you're like six <laughs> hours less, man. That's not too bad for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I wasn't planning on uh, really fishing any any big live events this year but you know 70 degrees sounds pretty good <laughs> yeah, it does sound pretty good man so you know, and hobie just puts on such a good event man it's about the anglers it's the, the whole focus is on the anglers and everyone's experience they feed you they always have a good awards and they always have great prizes for people and they're just always it's just very in tune with the anglers man that's what i keep hearing so i'm you know i'm I'm new to the whole tournament side of it, of all this. So, you know, I'm, I'm starting to dip my feet and, you know, uh, I signed up for, well, really my first online event in December. And, uh, you know, I, I signed up for Jackson Orr's charity tournament here a few months back or whenever it was, but I, I never, uh, put up any, like I never fished for that. You know, I just wanted to help out. Yeah, yeah, but this was the first one I actually tried to fish, and I skunked it because I ain't been able to find any bass in this colder weather. <laughs> but uh, but you know that's all right. You know it's, that's we, all right, man. Yeah, I have nowhere to go but up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all about having fun at these things, man. You know what I mean? For for me, it's about. Uh, you know, I've made so many friends and stuff. Now it's just, now it's about seeing people that I don't get to see very often at these tournaments and stuff. And it's just about having a good time. You know, the, the, the catching fish is always like just a bonus. You know, and if you can, if you can land a check, that's just another bonus, you know? Yeah. Uh, man, you're going for those Hobies, you know, going to try to go after Jody queen, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's tough, man. Every, these guys are all sharks, man. I mean, you know, I'm just happy if I can place anywhere like towards the front of the pack, you know, with these guys, the, the guys that show up for the Hobie events. I mean, there, there's some serious sticks and jo Jody's one of them, man. Look at, he just won the TOC and he's, yeah. He's I, also one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Too, dude, so. he is, he is one of the coolest guys that I've talked to. You know, I, I had him on here, uh, but the very first episode of 2020 was Jody talking about using that jackhammer. And, you know, even after the, after we got done, you know, recording me and him just sit and talk for probably 15, 20 minutes, uh, just talking about, you know, different stuff. And he's one of the coolest, nicest dudes I, that you'll ever meet right there. He really is, man. I mean. Like, I've got a little Jody Queen story of uh, fishing out at Gunnersville, you know, and, and pre-fishing, right? And, you know, you're pre-fishing for a big event. It was a, a, a KBF trail event. Um, so everybody, it was, there's 160 people signed up. So everybody was pretty, let's just say tight-lipped, you know what I mean? And I was down there uh, basically by myself. You know, I was meeting some people that were going to be there in a couple of days, but I was down there by myself and we just happened to stay at the same hotel and we were getting breakfast in the lobby and uh, he just invited me to go fishing with him, man. You know what I mean? Him and, and his little gang, it was, it was Corey Dreyer and, uh, you know, and, and his, his little gang and, you know, that doesn't, dude, in these are competitive events, not everyone does that, right? Not everyone's going to say, hey, man. Let's go pre-fishing together. We're going here. I did well right here. You know, just just lay yeah. it all out. You know what I mean? That just does not happen very often at these events, or, or, or rarely ever. And it's Jody Queen. You know what I mean? It's it's that dude doing it. And it was just a, 
you know, it made my day, man. You know what I mean? I was feeling kind of sick. My stomach was all upset and, you know, it was just nice hanging out with some fun, friendly guys, cracking some jokes, catching some fish, you know, it was just a good time. Guys like that, you know. Uh, how'd you end up doing in that tournament? Um, you know, I placed, I can't even remember what I placed. It was outside the money, man. I was like one good fish away was my deal. I had four good fish and one dink. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, just an utter dink too. I think it was like nine inches or I think it was the minimum 12 inches or something, whatever it was, man. It was yeah. just. It was just dra- it was just like a boat anchor. <laughs> well, see what what might have happened is secretly Jody might have put you there on purpose to be like, yeah, it's got some decent fish that'll make him think you know he'll do decent, but the real big fish are over here. I ain't gonna tell. <laughs> <laughs> now maybe Jody is that slick, man. He might be that slick. <laughs> no, I ain't gonna put that on him. He's a good dude. You know, I, I just like to give people a hard time, but uh. So, um, you know, I, I got to ask, when you won that national championship, what was that feeling whenever you realized that you had won? Like, that had to be, like, the craziest feeling. Man, I'll tell you, uh, because award ceremony happened, like, at 6 a.m., and we had been up, like, since 3 a.m., like, the day before I hadn't slept for like 48 hours. It didn't really hit me until I was like at home drinking coffee, looking at the medallion, you know, and, uh, man, it's just, you know, it's one of those things it's hard to put into words because there were so many, not just so many anglers there, but so many good anglers and so many anglers that I looked up to, you know what I mean? Idolized. You know what I mean? I mean, these are the biggest names in our sport were there. And I was able to eke it out and and, and win by like a half an inch or whatever it was, you know, and make it happen. Um, you know, it's not something you can put into words, really, man. It's just, and it, you know, it did change my life, man. It, cha- it really did. It changed the course of my life. I was just kind of fishing more sort, more just for fun and stuff. And you know, now I, I don't want to say I make my living off of it, but it's part of the, it's part of what I do for my living, you know? Um, and that's, that's cool. Um, did you cry? Nah. I, think I, I, I think I would have cried. To, to... Uh, I don't think I cried, man. <laughs> I don't think I, I cried. cried if, if I... <laughs> I wouldn't blame you. I, I might have yelled once or twice. <laughs> Man. Uh, so, you know, something I like to do, you know, whenever I'm starting to close out the interview is I got a couple questions that I like to ask, just get different people's opinions on it. Uh, the first one is, you know, a brand new bass angler and, and we're talking, you know, the black bass, you know, large mouth, small mouth spot they they're wanting to get into uh, bass fishing. They don't know where to start, but they, they're wanting to go pick up a few lures. You know, they're going to go to Walmart, Bass Pro Academy, wherever they're going to go. And they they want your advice on three lures for them to pick up to get started in bass fishing. What three lures would you recommend somebody brand new? That's easy, man. Texas Rig Worm, Square Bill Crankbait, and a jig. Uh, with jig, you talking football, flipping jig? Oh, well, now if we're going to get real specific, it would be a flipping <laughs> jig, man. Well, it would be a, different types of jigs. Yeah, know. man. It'd be a, uh, and I'll be very specific about it, man. It would be, I would tell them to bite the bullet, get a good jig, get a Picasso, dock it, rock it. And this thing, man, you can, uh, it, it's a, just the coolest jig. It, it's a tungsten head, so the head's really small on it. The hook is not is not one of those big gnarly hooks. I don't want to call it a light wire, but it's not a big gnarly hook. Um, but it's a super strong hook, so when you hook them, you can get them out of the cover real easy. 
And man, it's just because it's tungsten and the shape of the jig head, it just goes through cover like unbelievably well. You know, and, and my advice would be to the new guy, because they're kind of expensive, bite the bullet. And I think it will ultimately save you money because you don't get them snagged up as much as you do cheaper jigs. You know, so you go through four cheaper jigs, you've more than paid for the more expensive jig. Right. And, you know, just to re- reiterate that point, you know, not so much with jigs with me, but lures in general, something I've noticed this past this past year or so is like, that's absolutely right. You know, if you can go a a step up from, from one example is like, I'm super cheap. I I don't like spend (laughs) a lot of, I, I, that's just the way I am. So little $1 spinner baits at Walmart is all I've ever bought. And so I'm getting to the point where like, okay, if I'm going to use a spinner bait, I'm going to spend a little extra money on it. It's just like the, the whopper plopper, man. I, I know people are tired of hearing me talking about it on here, but I had so much success in two, 2019 on a whopper plopper. And unless somebody like basically told me like, dude, buy this lure, uh, I wouldn't have spent you know, that kind of money on them. And, and I caught them on sale. That, that helped. Yeah. <laughs> like 10 bucks a piece. They're still expensive lures, even on sale. Right. I mean, the Whopper yeah. Popper is not a cheap lure because it's so effective. And, and man, that goes through all the fishing stuff. I think, man, you know, I, I, for you a while was- there, I, I was trying to find that magic hundred dollar rod, right. That, that did, that would not break. I could fish it and it would be sensitive and not break. It doesn't exist. You got to spend 150 bucks. You know, you got to spend $200 to get a rod that you can keep. And, and or because I'm a little hard on stuff, I'm going to, you know, when I set the hook sometimes, it's a little extravagant, uh, you know. So oh, you get that baseball swing too? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I like to drive it home, you know, I like to be <laughs> definite that the hook went in. And, you know, so, you know, it's just, it goes through all the, everything, man. It's like, if you spend a little bit more, you'll save money in the long run because you're getting quality stuff that's going to work better and last longer. Reels are the same way too, right? I mean, when was, I mean, if you get the, the less expensive reels, and there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, everyone starts out with them, but, you know, once you start fishing a lot, you realize those plastic gears just wear out quicker. And then you graduate to the aluminum gears and then you realize those are better, but they still don't last and keep like the brass, like the brass gears do, you know, once you finally graduate to those brass ones, then you realize that you keep that reel instead of get buying a new reel every year or every two years, you're just cleaning and lubing it and it feels brand new again. And I just feel like it goes all the way through all the fish and stuff like that. I I agree with you. I I am going to put my, input on that i i i definitely agree with you um especially for like a tournament angler you know me myself you know, I usually get out like if i'm lucky once a week maybe every other week so for somebody like that i i, I can like somebody like me or when i i could see the cheaper stuff being an option because you're not going to wear it out as quick but there's also like like you said with the uh, like the sensitivity of a rod, you, you're definitely you're not gonna have the sensitivity in a cheaper rod that you are a more expensive rod. Will it work? Yes, not maybe not quite as well. Um, the reels, I, I was actually a Bass Pro not too long ago, and I was looking at reels, and I've always been cheap with reels. Let me tell you. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I've ever bought a brand new baitcaster before. I, it's always like yard sale finds or somebody's a friend's got something for sale and or something like that. And that's that's how I've got them. But I've gotten decent quality stuff for cheap price do, doing that. Well, I was at Bass Pro and I wanted a new reel. So you know, like I said, I'm cheap. So this might still sound like a cheap reel to you, but it's expensive to me. I'm looking at like the $70, $80 reels. And, uh, and I, I'm sure you 
have much more expensive reels than that. But to me, that that's getting kind of pricey. But still, but, but those are still a lot nicer than that $24 reel. Right, right. Right, you know what I mean? And but, I started out with a $24 reel when I first started fishing, right? You know, I bought, and just jumping up to the $70, $80 reels, like the, uh, like the Bass Pro uh, uh, Pro Qualifier, right? You can get those for about 70 bucks on sale. That's a really good reel. Yeah, Brian Schiller was telling me about that when we were doing recording the episode one time. But I did end up buying a Bass Pro reel. But the guy talked me down because I, I was talking about the braking system and, you know, looking at it. And he said that this $40 reel had a better braking system than these $70, $80 reels. And, like, we were playing with it and putting it to the test. This one right here. I got it. I started playing with it. Like I I set it up, took it out in the yard and uh, was playing with it and casting it. And I I went to start tuning it and realized I had the brakes completely off and I wasn't backlashing or anything. (laughs) I I, I was was like, holy crap. That's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, because I usually got my brakes on like five or six. (laughs) But we'll we'll see how how it does. I think it's actually like a $50 reel and it was on sale for 40. I, I tell you for, for somebody brand new wanting to try out, um, a bait caster, I would say a, uh, you know, a, a really good reel for this price range is that a Boo Garcia black max. Yeah. For, for that price range that the, I just wish they had a higher gear ratio in it. Yeah, that's the only thing. They're a little slow, right? I mean, you yeah. can't get that, that real high speed on them. Yeah, I was and you're, and you're, and you're right. That's a killer reel for the money, man. I mean, killer reel for the money. I was surprised they had this this reel that I just showed you for it, it's seven one to one or so, or something like that. And yeah. I was surprised they had it in there. All right, I didn't mean to get us too too far off here. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna hit you with my last question question and then we'll let you jump off here uh all right for a brand new bass fisherman what's one piece of advice you'd give them brand new bass fisherman like a tournament guy or just fish or just guys just fishing brand new just just starting out that same guy that asked what three lures to buy oh man that's a tough one man (laughs) that's a tough one I, I mean, if if it makes work it out with your wife, that'd be the first thing I would say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that your your wives kind of determine your uh, how much fishing time you're gonna have a lot of times, right? <laughs> Definitely, especially when they're not used to you being gone all the time wanting to do this but once you get that bug you're gonna want to be gone all the time all the time but man this is the first time i really ever got to talk to you other than interactions on social media and uh i appreciate you coming on here and doing this i think you gave a lot of good information you know, you seem like a really cool guy and everything. I'm going to put you up there with, with Jody Queen. <laughs> Seems like real laid back and real cool. And, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on here. Man, thanks for having me. I really love, I really enjoy uh, just talking fishing, man, spreading the passion for it, you know? Yeah, ho- hopefully I didn't, I didn't, uh, you know, ramble too much when I, when I got on my, my whole real thing, but. Nope, not at all, man. <laughs> but, uh. You know, you want to shout out your social media and sponsors and all that good stuff real quick? Yeah, yeah. Check me out on uh, on Facebook under Kurt Smiths or Smitty Fisher. Smitty Fisher is my fishing page. I'm also uh, Instagram Smitty Fisher, YouTube Smitty Fisher. Um, if you do Smitty Fisher dash or Smitty dash Smitty, excuse me, Smitty dash Fisher dot com for my blog. That's all. all that's all my stuff and. Uh, Man, a big shout out to my sponsors because those guys, I, re- I rely on them heavily. And, I, and every year it's it's more and more their help is needed to, to do what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, Hobie, 
is the big sponsor, Strictly Sale, Fishing Online, um, Yak Attack, Picasso, um, Catch Boards. Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting a couple in there, but, uh, you know, you go to any of my social media stuff and you'll see uh, all of them. Never Lost uh, Leashes is one of them, too. Man, they make great leashes and stuff. But all those guys, uh, you know, one thing I'd like to say about my sponsors is, you know, these are all companies that I dealt with uh, before I was ever sponsored by them. These are very quality companies. You'll never see me being sponsored by, um, you know, padded rod butts or something like that. You'll never see me sponsored like that. So these guys are companies that have helped me and they help the, the rest of the industry out and help a lot of other anglers out. So please go check them out. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. Good luck in the 2020 season and uh, enjoy that 70 degree weather down there. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. All right, everybody. Anybody had a question about a blade bait? I hope it got answered here and uh, hope you enjoyed it. Tight lines and smooth paddling. Go check out the website, guys. Paddle the letter N and fin.com. Also, check out YouTube youtube.com forward slash paddle and fin if you got a question comment want to hear from a future guest feel free to email us at paddle the letter n and fin at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media we're doing giveaways announcements things like that at facebook and instagram at paddle and fin shout out to our show supporters rocktown adventures leveling canoe and kayak hammered lures fish mob lures trc covers catch products Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the Paddle and Fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jigmasters jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please drop a five-star rating in on the podcast platform you're listening on. Don't forget about the Recycled Plastics program, you guys. Take your used plastic baits, put them in an envelope, mail them to the address in the show notes. Our man Eric Richards at Hammered Lures melts those down, makes new baits, and donates them to various chapters of Heroes on the Water.